So in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, Paul writes, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. There was an article the other day from CNBC entitled, Millennials Lead Shift Away from Organized Religion as Pandemic Test Americans' Faith. And I'll let you know this article, it includes different religions, but Christianity is included. And so the portion that I'm going to read to you and to bring to your attention are the portions that are related to Christianity and professing Christians. And so the article states that a Pew Research Center survey found that 29% of U.S. adults said they had no religious affiliation, which is an increase of six percentage points from 2016. It says millennials are leading the shift away from organized religion, according to the survey. More faith leaders are stepping up their outreach efforts from social media to revamped sermons to attract these younger adults. A quote from the article states, it's not uncommon for people to seek God during times of hardship. However, the opposite appears to have happened in the U.S. during the coronavirus pandemic. A Pew Research Center survey released earlier this month found 29% of U.S. adults said they had no religious affiliation, an increase of six percentage points from 2016, with millennials leading that shift. A growing number of Americans said they are also praying less often. About 32% of those polled by the Pew Research from May 29th to August 25th said they seldom or never pray. That's up from 18% of those polled by the group in 2007. And then it goes on to quote the Associate Director of Research at Pew Research Center, who says that the secularizing shifts evident in American society so far in the 21st century show no signs of slowing. The article continues, and it says, Elsewhere in New York City, younger Christians, I'm sorry, younger Christian followers are flocking to middle collegiate church on the lower east side where the Reverend Jackie or Jacquie Lewis says no topic is off the table. She encourages her congregants, the majority of whom are millennials, to get involved and take a stand on political issues. We put social justice and democracy in the middle of faith in a way that really speaks to young folks, Lewis said. We've done an incredible amount of campaigning for the right to vote, the right to choose for women, immigrant rights, and racial justice. While Lewis said her teachings are inspired by the Bible, her approach is on the progressive political side, emphasizing spirituality and community over scripture. On its website, Middle Collegiate said its church is where therapy meets Broadway, where old-time religion gets a new twist. While some people may see this model as changing 
the traditional relationship Christians have with God, Lewis embraces it, saying, that's exciting to me. I'm trying to get God out of the box. And so she believes that not only can somebody put God into a box, but she can be the one to take him out. And then the article goes on to say, middle collegiate churches congregation grew by 500 members during the pandemic, even though the 128-year-old church building itself was destroyed last year by fire. Seems like they should have taken the hint. But then it says it now has 1,900 members, Lewis said. And then the article mentions one Christian convert who said he grew up in a conservative Christian household in Mississippi, but as a gay man, he struggled to feel accepted by his community. He says, I was a Baptist Christian, and so the way we saw things and the way they communicated, you had to do things the way the Bible says, literally. But I feel like the Bible and Jesus Christ believe in love no matter what. And I feel like I found that at middle. It's all about love and love, period, he said. So what can we conclude from all of this? As Paul tells Timothy in the letter that he wrote him concerning the church in Ephesus, he told Timothy that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. And even now today, many are departing from the Christian faith. And so here, Paul may have been speaking about a previous prophecy by the Holy Spirit, or it could have been a special revelation that he had received from the Spirit. But either way, he says that the Spirit clearly and distinctly says that in latter or later times, either referring to Acts twenty twenty nine when he spoke about the wolves or the false teachers coming in and drawing people away with their false teachings, or the days of Pentecost to the end of the world, either way, some will depart from the faith. It's true he may have meant it for the period of time in which he and Timothy lived, but it's still a relevant message for us today. So he says some will depart from the faith. And now depart means to desert, to refrain, to fall away, withdraw self or to become faithless. One commentary suggests that this means that there will be different seasons in life when some people will depart from their faith, and that the reference here is not to a loss of salvation, but a failure to walk in obedience. And you know, I can accept that because in Galatians, Paul tells the Galatian converts that he was shocked, not because they had so soon turned away from the faith, or from religious practices, or from going to church, but because they had so soon turned away from him, from God, who called them in the grace of Christ. And he told them this because they were turning away from the true gospel to a different gospel. So essentially, when you're turning away from the message of Christ, the message given by God, you're turning away from God. But when Paul says many will depart from the faith, I don't automatically assume that that means that they are departing from God. Like, I don't automatically assume that 
they are they were once believers and they're no longer believers. But the way the faith is used in First Timothy, I take that to mean the faith as in religion, a set of religious teachings, doctrine, beliefs, aka Christianity. Therefore, some will fall away from adhering to the doctrine of Christianity, not necessarily from believing in Jesus Christ or the gospel. That's just my take on it. But here, Paul just says they would depart from the faith. And that could mean several things. It can mean that they are true believers who love Jesus, but they just ignorantly lured away by false teachings. They could be lured away by their own desires, by their own lust. Or it could be that they were never really believers in the first place. And they only had an outward show of religion, which is, as we can see when we look around in Christendom, it's very possible. But nevertheless, even now, many are departing from the Christian faith at reportedly record numbers. And they're doing so because they are paying attention to and adhering to deceiving spirits and demon doctrines. And so what are deceiving spirits and demon doctrines? Deceiving spirits are like lying spirits put into the mouths of false prophets and false teachers with the purpose of misleading and seducing people and leading them into error. Doctrines of demons, following teachings of the occult, practicing witchcraft, following any teachings that contradict the teachings of God. And then verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Your conscience is what distinguishes what is morally good from what is definitely bad. It's what leads us to do what is good and to shun what is evil. Strong says it commends one that which is good and it condemns the other, that which is bad. The word seared means branded, which may refer to a conscience that has been desensitized or no longer has feeling due to constant submission to evil teachings, or it may refer to a conscience that has been branded with a mark of Satan or demonic ownership. And then verse 3 says, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. The evil teachings at Ephesus most likely came from Gnostics who believed that the material world was evil and therefore they opposed the good and perfect gifts given by God, including marriage and foods. And they were teaching what was contrary to God and insisting that all things that God created were not good, including animals, foods, and marriage. Matthew Henry states, false teachers forbid as evil what God has allowed and command as a duty what he has left indifferent. In other words, they add and take away from God's perfect word. Additionally, false teachers point people in a different direction other than Christ whether the focus is on themselves, finances, happiness, making friends, all this other nonsense. Any gospel preached but does not point 
to the cross and to the good news of Jesus Christ is a false gospel. And many will be led away by these false teachings. And so why will they be led away? Number one, because of ignorance. Because they don't know the Bible. So they believe whatever any well-known religious leader says, assuming that they're telling them the truth. They just go along with the crowd. Whatever they say goes. They don't confirm it. They don't question it. They don't make sure that it's in the Bible. You need to pop that Bible open and you need to make sure that what they're saying to you is actually in the written word of God. And so number two, the reason why many will be led away is by their own desires. And so Paul warns Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure or put up with sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now you know whenever you have an itch, and you will just do anything to get relief. Like, for example, when your back itches, you can't reach it. You don't have anybody available to scratch it for you. You don't have a back scratcher. So you start rubbing up against the wall. You start grabbing coat hangers and sharp objects, even scissors, anything to get rid of that itch. You go through great lengths to find relief wherever you can. And such is the case with those who desire to hear pleasant things that approve of their practices and relieve their conscience rather than the truth. And in their desperation, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Looking to be entertained, they will gather to themselves on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, those who use flattery and skillful speech, who don't have the listener's best interest in mind, those who speak only what they want to hear, which leads to destruction. The Bible reminds us that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And so they will heap up for themselves these false teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So they'll hear the truth, but they're rejected. And instead they'll turn to messages that soothe their minds and put their conscience at ease. Just like the homosexual man in the CNN interview who left the church with the true doctrine to accommodate his desire to have a relationship with another man. He found a place where he could fulfill his lust without his conscience being bothered. He found teaching that reasons with the flesh and dulls his ability to discern right from wrong. It can happen to anybody. If anyone thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Stay in prayer and constant contact with the Lord. Because the deception is real. But the number three reason that they are led away is because, as I stated before, they were not really believers to begin with. 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
So in 1 John, the author speaks to believers about false teachers who departed from them because they were not really of them. Because if they were, they would not have withdrawn from fellowship with them. And they withdrew from fellowship with them, most likely because they didn't agree with their teaching. But the same idea applies to when Paul says to Timothy that some would depart from the faith. And it's also true about Christianity today. There are those who go to church and play the role, but they aren't necessarily believers. As in, they carry the title of Christian only, but they have never believed that they were sinners in need of a savior and that they were destined for an eternity in hell. They never believe that God is the only one who could save them. And they never trusted in him to do that. They may have never heard that Jesus died on a cross or that he arose from the dead. And because they never heard these things, they have never believed it. And because they've never believed it, they've never trusted in it. And so what can we do about all of this? I don't think there's anything that Timothy could have done to prevent some from falling away from the faith. Because the word of God is true. So neither is there anything that we can do to prevent people from departing from Christianity today. And so I think the best thing that we can do comes from 2 Timothy 4.2 and 1 Timothy 4.16. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And then 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So in other words, by Timothy continuing in the word himself, he will be an example to others. And by us adhering to the word ourselves and continually putting it into practice, we can serve as an example and as an encouragement to others to stay rooted and grounded in their faith as well. And so to conclude, Paul doesn't tell Timothy to be more energetic. He doesn't tell him to revamp the music in sermons. He doesn't say to remodel the church building, to provide more attractive amenities, or to try to do this or that. All that is fine if it glorifies God, but it should not be the focus of how to get people to stay grounded in the faith. Furthermore, depending on anything other than the word shows a lack of trust in God's word and in his power. Listen, God doesn't need any help from us. The only thing that he gives us the privilege and the honor of doing is preaching his word. The fact is, some people are going to depart. We can't do anything about that. But we can choose to remain faithful and to rightly teach others the true doctrine of Christ, not our own opinions about doctrine. And we can be an example. And then when somebody does fall away, we can intercede on their behalf and ask God to guide them back by his mercy. It's time to suit up and the armor of God like we've never suited up before and fight for ourselves, our loved ones, and for others. Don't grow weary. Now is not the time to grow weary in well-doing. Continue on in the faith and be encouraged.
If we stick with the Lord, we are guaranteed the victory. Because God has never lost a battle. Listen, search the scriptures to see whether these things are true. And until next time, preach the gospel so we can all go home. God bless you. Take care.